Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is the Reverend Kenneth Tanner. Kenneth is a pastor of Church of the Holy Redeemer in Rochester Hills, Michigan. He writes for numerous websites and magazines, including the Huffington Post and Sojourners. Ken Tanner, welcome to the podcast. You are a you've been a guest on Give and Take too, and now this is your first appearance on Synaxis, and you are preaching Sunday from these very texts from Exodus, Philippians, and Matthew. Oh man, don't give me a heart attack this early in the week. I, do you preach from all the, all the texts when you preach? Do you touch on all of them? Do you I do now. I, I didn't used to. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm 52 now, but the last. Since Advent this last year, I I I, I try to hit um, you know every I try to say something about every every one of the texts. So um, and uh, yeah, it's been a great discipline for me. I, I was not much of a lectionary. I mean, even though I come from a lectionary tradition, um, I was raised Pentecostal. Um, so I, my my the, the growing up, I I heard a lot of sermon series. I heard a lot of topical sermons. I heard a lot of exegetical sermon. But lectionary preaching wasn't part of my growing up. Um, it was a part of my formation and training, but the but I didn't do much of it because I didn't have a lot of models for doing it. Um, and uh, it was just you know it's funny because I've you know I've I've been a pastor for here at this church for thirteen years. And I just started doing. Uh, I just started doing it this last year in a really kind of systematic way. So anyway, so what, what, I mean, I'm sure you don't always like go like chronologically or at least old Testament epistle gospel, no. but that's, but that's the way we're going to go today. Just cause it's, Great. it's easy. This is really interesting. In Exodus 17, we've got the Israelites frustrated, right? They're scared. They seem anxious mm-hmm. and there's no, they're thirsty, which is, you know, you can go 40 days without food. You can only go three days without water. But what's interesting is that here they ask a question and Moses seems to not respond to their prima facie question. They ask, give us water to drink. And then Moses says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord. So I feel like if somebody asked me for a drink of water, the first thing I would... Yeah, it wouldn't be the first, the first yeah. thing that you would think. I mean, people, you know, it's obviously it's not a want, it's a need. Um, and, uh, but it, it, they're, they're, you know, we don't get the way that they were. I mean, it, it doesn't tell us like, I mean, it's written down, give us water to drink, but it, you know, if they were, if they were yelling and complaining, uh, as a group, um, you know, we don't get the tone in the words, right? So maybe, maybe Moses responded to their tone. Yeah. And they, they also ask him, it's weird because it seems like actually they, their follow up question to him was actually what they were asking, right? Yeah. It's re- it reveals, it reveals the what's like, going on. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's um This is like that pretty... the guy who says, you know, um uh he says to his buddy at work, I think I had a Freudian slip at work. See, well, what do you mean? He's like, I meant to say uh honey to my wife, honey, can you pass the toast? And instead I said, you wicked woman, you ruined my life. 
Oh man. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it this is like a Freudian slip, maybe? Like, you know. Yes. Yes. They're uh they're definitely um you know they reveal their hand in this question um and it's not the first time that 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 they say something like this i mean of course this is last week uh they were hungry um you know and and uh, you know god keeps answering their request with you know he gives them the food that they needed the quail and the and the manna the bread um but uh they 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 are and continue to be a people who, um, you know, are not shy about, um, you know, complaining or murmuring as the, 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 uh, as that's translated often. Yeah. And it's interesting too, right? Is there this, you know, the people are, you know, asking of Moses and then we see Moses sort of entreating the Lord. Oh yeah. Yeah. He needs, uh, yeah, he he knows the source of of any anything that he has to offer. Uh, he has nothing um, to offer except uh, except what God has to offer. And, uh, it, it's interesting to me that uh, um, how this particular moment gets transformed in the writing of Paul in First Corinthians ten, where. Uh, you know, he talks about how they all passed through the water, um, and that was their baptism, and they all drank from the same, the same, they all ate the same spiritual food, which was the manna from last week, and then they drank the same spiritual drink, which was the water, um, and that the rock was Christ. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is there is someone who is providing for them. Um, and it is the one that we get to know in, um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because you can, I think in the halls of academia, people specialize in things and that's not a terrible thing, but like, but Paul seems to see in the Corinthians struggle a millennia later, the same dynamics. Like there's really kind of, for all the diversity in creation, there's like really one human story, like. Mm-hmm. Promise and deliverance, you know, the need for hope, the need, for, you know, uh, yeah. that that this that this salvation, this deliverance, despite all the cultural differences, despite the, you know all the historic differences, time, space, that Paul sees the Corinthians and the children of Israel as being in the same boat and mm-hmm. as needing the same person. Yeah, absolutely, and I love how Paul just unapologetically following all of his. Uh, you know, teachers and rabbinical teachers just uh, allegorizes the the Old Testament. Just you know, here this is what was really going on. You know, uh, uh, the rock was Christ, um, and uh, you know, so it, we we definitely have a way of reading the Old Testament that um, uh, that the church fathers didn't give. Uh, Paul gave us that way uh, of reading. Um, uh, you know, right right in the New Testament, they're already allegorizing these texts. As you say, I think to to draw the continuity between the the situation of Israel and the situation of of uh, the whole people. Now, the whole people of God, the the, the universal, uh, all of mankind, is drawn into this story. Where you wanna go back to Egypt? Where your friends wait for you? You can throw a big party and tell the whole gang that what they said was all true. This Moses acts like a big shot. Who do he think he is? Yeah, it's true that God works.
works lots of miracles, but Moses thinks they're all his. Well, I'm and let's move right to the Apostle Paul in the mm. second chapter of Philippians. If love there's is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing the Spirit, any compassion, any make my joy complete, be the same mind, having the same love, the mind of Christ, he talks about. What is, what's the mind of Christ, Ken? What are you going to do with this? Well, um, you know, there's this great hymn, right, um, that uh, Paul pulls from the uh, from the ancient church that I I would love to have the the music that they sang it to. Um, the mind that's in Christ is the mind that uh, does not account equality with God something to be grasped, but takes upon himself disability. Um, who who humbles himself? Who um, is is willing to go um, to go down um, to go not just to go down into the to the manger as a helpless baby, but also once he has grown to full maturity to go down on his knees um, and to wash the feet of the disciples um, uh, to to go further than that even to to lower himself below the lowest of us. Uh, all of us, in order to raise us back to God. And that means nothing less than experiencing death um, as as we experience it, and to go down into death itself and uh, raise us all back to uh, the Father. Um, and uh, so there's this great this great arc of, of going down in order to go uh, back up to God. It would be easy, I think, to preach this passage as imitatio Christi, right? I imitation of Christ. But it, it seems sure. that, like, doesn't imitation flow from participation, participatio Christi? Christi? Mm. Like, it seems like Paul's not just saying, all right, yeah, WWJD. Like, you know, what would you, like, it seems deeper than that. Oh, no doubt it is, because uh, the one human nature that we all share that Christ has taken upon himself in this disability of becoming. Uh, human, if you're God, to become human is to automatically be disabled. Um, you know, th this is the one human nature that he, that all human beings share that he's taken upon himself, and he takes that back into the life of God. Um, and so we are absolutely participating um, in this entire movement, and it's and it's Christ doing all of this for us. Um, you know, Paul keeps coming back to over and over and over again. You are co-seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Uh, I love what Ben Meyer says, and of course, he's just following the Eastern Fathers that this this grand humility of Christ and taking on flesh actually takes human nature beyond its created state. Um, up into participation in the divine life. So we we're created in the Im divine image, but but the uh, movement of Christ down to us in the ascent back to the Father and the flesh um, raises human nature up into the very life of God. And uh, and it is something absolutely for Paul over and over and over again. This it's the faithfulness of Christ. It is the humility of Christ. It is the human nature that Christ, the new humanity that Christ represents, that we have been grafted into. We we have been union. We have been unionized with the Father by, uh, by this one person. So, so we can go get our union cards. 
Reunionized stuff. Yeah, the temptation with passages like this, right, is probably to preach it almost imperative, indicative, do this and you'll be redeemed. Oh, right. As opposed opposed to indicative, imperative, like you're co-seated, like you're you're living in the the redeemed life. Now, here's an invitation to live into it. Yes. Be what you are. Yes. Um, As as Augustine says about the Eucharist, behold, uh, what you are become what you receive. Um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's a grace. Uh, it, it, it is, it is not something that we can do, uh, for ourselves, just as Moses realizes that he, you know, he can't provide water. He, Christ is there to provide the water. It is God who, um, uh, causes us to, uh, uh, be brought up into his life. Um, and so, yes, there's a yielding to, to that, um, uh, but it's not the same thing as us doing the work. Yeah, this is like what does Eugene Peterson say about discipleship? It's it's focusing more and more on Christ's righteousness and less and less on your own. Uh, thank God. Speaking of Christ, let's mm-hmm. go to the gospel reading. Yeah. This is a fascinating reading. These are This is one of what Robert Capon calls the parables of judgment. Mm-hmm. I read Capon on this uh, story of the two sons. That book, Capon's stuff on the parables is mind-blowingly great. I mean, I mean, it just mm-hmm. is like sometimes when you read it, and I mean this in the best way, like I'm like, are we reading the same Bible in, in that? How did I not see that? Yeah, yeah, he it's he's relentless. He's relentless about grace, um, in a way that's uh, you know I think shocking uh, to people. Um, in fact, as I said, you know this particular parable that Jesus tells, um, um, he gets into the um, exousia, uh, what by what authority, you know, um, and and Jesus just simply doesn't answer uh, their question. Because he is standing there in front of them, um, the only answer that God's going to give. Um, it's funny. My wife loves in interviews if somebody rejects the premise of the question. She's like, they just rejected the premise of your question. And yeah. I, but it's an interesting thing, though, because oftentimes, like, it is interesting because we the best crafted questions can still, even in a well intentioned way, miss. The reality, and this is one of those questions which anybody that's done any teaching in a classroom or a church knows that there are certain questions meant to elicit information, and others meant to embarrass or trap the teacher. And this is the latter, <laughs> right? Like that, you know, it's great because, like, what authority do you do this from? He's like, all right, well, let me ask you this. Uh, I'll tell you the answer if you tell me by uh, it, where John's baptism came. Was it from heaven or of human origin? And they're like, wait, wait, now we're trapped. <laughs> And yeah, he was brilliant in that way. I actually was like, okay, I'm going to pull a Scott Jones and I'm going to, you know, find a, a, a couple lines from um, Capon on the two brothers and the difference. And, and um, I thought, no, John, uh, Scott will come with, with something <laughs> about it already. And, uh, but there, he, I mean, you know, he's got some great stuff um, on this, um, you know, um, we are second sons, elder brothers, respectable Pharisees, 12 hour all day laborers whose moral efforts have been trampled on by the feet beautiful upon the mountains. 
we are resentful at being butts of the divine joke of grace that says nothing matters except plain old de facto, yes, Jesus faith. And when we institutionalize that resentment by giving the impression that the church is not for sinners and gainsayers, we are a disgrace to the gospel, a bushel of works hiding in the light of the world. We are under judgment. Oh, yes, we say we believe, but what we believe is largely an ethico-theological construct of our own devising a system in our own heads that will make the world safe for democracy and for thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent ex-sinners like ourselves. Yeah, I, I think Capon's right on there. And, you know, it's funny because in that same section, he talks about, like, the, the, the spurious nature of apologetics. And he, he said, yes. you know, like, basically, he doesn't put it quite this way, but, like, like we want a watertight argument and what God's given us is a watertight person yes. and the person of Jesus. And and it seems to me that the link between the beginning of the passage and the second is exactly, it's, it's, it's like we, when we reject the grace of Christ, we reject the person. And so you have this like, in the beginning, he they want to sort of principalize it, and he says it's mm-hmm. it's all about me in some sense, like <laughs> like, and I'm not going to get into your principalizing. And then in the second parable, this you know one son says I'm not going to do the will, and winds up doing it right. And then the second one says I'll do it, but doesn't. And and there it seems like one at the end the end of the day goes to the person. You know, I mean, you know, the the the, the personal will, like it's personal. And the second one, despite giving lip service, doesn't. Yeah, and and what Capon says, you know, and is that you know we're we're always moralizing the story, and saying that it's that you know that it's about the fact that the that the the son goes you know uh, to the to the vineyard and does the work even though he says he's not going to, um, and so it is about what he does um, instead of believing, um, and he he believes um, in the relationship that he has. Uh, with the father and uh, and and the doing is uh, is wrapped up in the believing, um, and uh, the believing is is it. The believing is the thing um, that that I that that uh, that the that Christ is sent from heaven, that he is of God, uh, that he is God, uh, and believing on him is uh, is all that matters. Yeah, and the people he says the tax collectors, the sinners, you know, the prostitutes. They yeah, they may have seemingly. Uh, rejected the traditions, the rituals, the religiosity, the observances, that, yeah. the observances. But now, when the telos, when the, the the end of all those is in their presence, they draw. They, they recognize. Draw, them. They, yeah, they believe. They they That's know their the need. Issue. Yeah, and these guys aren't recognizing him. Uh, but but the the riffraff do, <laughs> and uh, and that's everything. Uh, and and when we we see who him for what he is, um, it, it does transform us. Uh, it, it does lead to to genuine change, but it begins with seeing him, uh, you know, for who he is, the, the the one who created all things, who has come down uh, to us in great humility and shows us that, in fact, humility is the power that um, that that holds all things together, uh, not our ideas, not not our ideas of power. Uh, beautiful. Ken, you're a lover and a student of the Bible. And you're also a pastor. And you know, before we started recording, you said you had some challenging things happen, yeah, in the life of your church this week. Do, do yeah. you do you is there a pattern where do do you tend to move from like the the text of scripture to the life of your congregation, or do you tend to move from the life of the congregation 
to what's going on in the readings, or is it an interplay of both? I mean, how do you, as a pastor and a student and lover of the Bible, mesh those roles and realities weekly as you proclaim the gospel on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like the whole thing is uh, listening. Um, you know, I, I think God is speaking to us and the events that are happening uh, in our lives together as a community. Uh, and I think he's speaking to us uh, in in these uh, these very human texts that he, um, you know, that he's being re- revealed in. Uh, and, and together, um, it seems to me it's just kind of a, a tapestry that's being woven, uh, both uh, the things that are happening among us and that are speaking to us and the things that we're reading in, in the, the, the prophets uh, in the law and uh, in the in the apostles and in Christ, it's all it's all speaking one word. And the way I do it is that I try to discern where God's at work in all of it and try to give voice to that. Yeah, it, it's it sounds like it's more of an art form than a science. Uh, very much so, and it's something done with uh, fear and trembling. I mean, it's uh, done, you know, with uh, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, and uh, yeah. As you as you well know, I mean, there are Sundays where you know you think, man, I've just you know this has all come together, and and uh, you know um, you, you don't hear a peep from anyone. And then there are Sundays where you just think, uh, I didn't have this is just a mess, and it just uh, God, who is the one who's supposed to be at work anyway, uh, just uh, just rips people's hearts open and, and lives are changed and, and good stuff happens. So, yeah, so. the most interesting thing is like when you're standing there after church and someone thanks you for something you know you didn't say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's nothing That's wrong. awesome. Ken, thanks for doing this. Hey, it was a lot of fun. And, I, you know, as, as you know, I can go on and on. So and it's, it's fun to have 25 minutes and then we're, bam, we're done. Thanks so much and blessings in your preaching Sunday. Blessing. God, God's peace. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe, or pass it along to a friend via email, or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Ken for being on the podcast, and thank you again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare the